There's so much happening in marketing these days, but let's be honest, a lot of it is hype. We just want to cut through the noise and get to what you really need to know. I'm Allison Dietz. My name is Devin de Blasio. And we host No Hype, a podcast about truth, science, and the future of marketing. Please share, subscribe, and enjoy the ride. You can find us at nohype.newstar. That's N-O-H-Y-P-E dot N-E-U-S-T-A-R. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, hello and good afternoon. I'm glad you're joining me today. I hope you had a great week, and I hope that last week's show was helpful. We talked about this book that I had written Maybe maybe five years ago, five or six years ago, and it's called God Wants You Truly Living, Not Walking Dead. And so we really talked about what does it really mean to truly live and what is causing you to be walking dead? Because oftentimes, I don't know about you, but we, we are dying to the wrong things, you know. And so many times I keep things alive that are really harmful to me don't help me, but maybe are pleasurable, maybe not even pleasurable, and I still keep them alive. And the things that really should be dying, you know, I, I, I don't take care of, and so I don't manage them. So I want to talk today about that type of thing, like what, what really for you needs to die so that you can truly live. And it may be an addiction, it may be insecurity, it may be self-hatred, it may be the love of money. It may be your inability to forgive. But today I want to talk about the one thing that I have found that really needs to die in order for you to live. And I see this in myself. I see it in patients all the time. And that's self-hatred. The hatred of self. You know, and I'm, I'm sure you've heard people say, oh, I hate it when I do that. I hate myself. I can't stand it. And so I want us to think about what that really does to you and to your system. What, that, what happens to your body, to your brain, to your spirit. And so, this, the, you know, self-hatred and other types of negative, destructive, abusive thoughts that we may have about ourselves 
on a daily basis. And, and that what happens is, by changing how you think about yourself, act towards yourself, and practicing the love chapter on you, it directly relates and correlates with the treatment that you are able to extend to others. You see, you have to understand, hatred is an extremely debilitating emotion, and it requires a ton of energy to keep itself alive. And so it is not, it is not an emotion that gives you any type of positive energy. So whatever energy you get through hating is stealing something in order to fuel the hatred. So think about this. When we, when we really are truly living the life that God is destined for us to live, there are going to be some things that most likely need to die. So if Jesus is the Word, and we know that the Word became flesh, well, what does that tell us about the power of words and the development of thoughts? What do we create with our words with subsequent thoughts? So let's look at the love chapter just for a minute. We're not going to spend a lot of time, but I want to help review it with you. That when you think about the opposite of hatred being love, what is love? It's patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy. does not boast. It's not proud. does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. does not delight in evil. Rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And I'm telling you what, the hardest person to love is self. I had, to, I had to work on that for years. I hated myself. I really did. And it's sad to say that that would be true. But I really did. And when I really learned to love myself, now loving self is not, you know, giving into your whims, all right? Loving yourself is really self-care. How do I care about me? How do I care for me? So I say to people frequently, well, the way you care for you, would you want to teach someone else how to do that for themselves? The way you care for you, would you care for a child that way? Would you care for a pet? Would you care for your husband, your wife, your children, your friends? So the way you love you should correspond and correlate to the way you love others. Because the lack of love always ends up with selfishness. And selfishness has so much hurt and pain with it. So we want to be very clear about what love really means. And that love never fails. That, that's a bold thing for God to say to us. That love never fails. Now, the person that's on the receiving end may fail to receive it, but you loving them will not fail. And so what I want you to think about today is what has to die in order for you to live. So maybe it is judgment against yourself, self-hatred. Maybe you un have unrealistic expectations over yourself. Maybe you've told yourself lies about yourself. 
And you believe the lies maybe that people have said to you. Maybe you're just lazy. I don't know. Lazy about how you care about yourself, how you think about yourself, what you're willing to say to yourself or allow others to say to you. Because loving self also means protecting myself. So one of the greatest things, the greatest acts of love is kindness. And what does it say to us about kindness? The Bible talks a lot about kindness and what kindness can do for us and how important kindness is. See, kindness, it's good for the body. It shows that there's an increased self-esteem, there's increased empathy and compassion, and it improves our mood. It can decrease blood pressure and cortisol, decreases stress hormones, which directly impact our stress levels. And people who give themselves in a balanced way also tend to be healthier and live longer. See, kindness can increase your sense of connectivity with others, and it directly impacts the issue of loneliness. So it improves a low mood, it enhances relationships in general, and it's also very contagious. So I want you to think about this. If you have an internal world that is kind, you will be more willing to be with you. You won't be always trying to distract yourself and get outside of yourself and have an experience to change the way you feel inside because your internal home may not be a nice place to live. It's also good for the mind. Physiologically, kindness can positively change your brain. See, being kind boosts serotonin and dopamine. And these are neurotransmitters in the brain that give you feelings of satisfaction and well-being. And they cause the pleasure and reward centers in your brain to light up. So you get endorphins, which are the body's natural painkiller. These are also released when anyone practices kindness. So we have this very famous verse that I love. And it says to us, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. Right? I'm sure you've heard this verse before. And so in Luke chapter 6, 35, this is out of the Message Bible. This is one of my favorite verses. It says, I tell you, love your enemies. Now, please remember that if I love my enemies, that doesn't mean I have necessarily a feeling of, you know, love like attachment. Okay, loving my enemy means I don't give back to them what they've given to me. That's how I can love my enemy. Loving my enemy means I don't trash talk them. I don't talk behind their back. Loving my enemy says I don't start writing a whole entire list or manifesto of what I think they're thinking and why I think they're doing what they're doing. And so I make sure that I love my enemy. And so sometimes we're our own worst enemy, right? And so self-love is not about self-gratification or indulgence. Self-love is truly caring about the one that God cares for. So do you care about you or are you an enemy to yourself? Are you the enemy in your own camp? 
And this is what it says. It says, live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives toward us, generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind. You be kind. I can't tell you how many times a day I say this in my office. I say, God is kind. You be kind. And God is kind knowing everything. Every thought I have, every proclivity, every behavior, every tendency, every every compulsion, God knows I have. Every thought, every feeling, every scheme, he knows. And he says, I'm your father. I'm kind. And so I'll be kind to you. So we want to make sure that we're reflecting the the image of God. And God is kind. And remember, kindness doesn't always feel great sometimes. Kindness might be someone telling you the truth. In love, but telling you the truth. That they love you enough to be kind enough to tell you the truth. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about kindness. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me today. And remember, you can always hear this show in its entirety if you can't listen to it right at this moment on the website at CynthiaHyatt.com or any of your favorite podcast servers. We're probably on all of them. And so you can always listen to the show there. You can send it to your friends, which I really appreciate it when you forward the shows to your friends. And we have lots of uh, things available for you. We have uh, study guides that go along with the shows if you want to do that and, and maybe dive in a little bit deeper. You can do that with a group as well. And so make sure you take, you know, take advantage of the website and all that we have for you there. So we are talking about this issue of God is kind, you be kind. And the title of this show is Kindness gives us the strength to change. Kindness helps us change. Kindness leads to repentance. That's basically what God is really saying, is that, hey, the way I can get you all to change and become more of who I designed you to be is through my kindness. And that's what we have in the Message Bible. Luke chapter 6, 35, it says, I tell you, love your enemies. And if you are your own worst or your own best enemy, right, you need to love you. And one of the hallmarks of Jesus is loving the unlovable. And I know when I had to go through this, I was not lovable to myself at all. I hated myself. I did. And I had to work on loving the unlovable. And that would be me. So that I could truly love others. And it go, this verse goes on to say, say this, you'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives towards us, generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind. You be kind. So a kinder relationship starts with you, starts with me. See, we teach people how to treat us. 
for the most part, there will always be those who are going to act just the way they want to act without conscience. But I, I teach others how to treat me primarily by the way I treat myself and by the way I treat you. I get the best version out of most people because of how I talk to myself and how I talk to them. So when we talk about this inner world and how that inner world affects our outer world, we better understand the power of kindness and reminding ourselves that kindness leads us to change. Now, there are going to be some humans on this planet that are um, impervious to kindness. That's not us. That's not the majority of us. Anyone that's listening to this show would respond beautifully to kindness if I gave it to them, if they would allow themselves then to receive it. So I want you to understand that you cannot truly love others or care for others if you don't do it first for yourself. And true love is not indulgence. I I mean, occasionally that might be a loving gesture. But if your parents consistently indulged you when you were a toddler or a teen, we know that you're going to have some problems as an adult. The power of no, and we've done a show on that, make best friends with the word no. The power of no is so incredibly power, powerful, and it also is quite kind. But many of us don't operate in that way. We don't have the strength to say no, either to ourselves or maybe to others. So think about what would happen if Jesus didn't take care of himself. See, he couldn't have done what needed to be done. All the words and feelings would have been in vain. So when we love the one that others love, this is the best way to care for them. So what happens in your relationship when you care for you? When you will love the one that others love? So that's me, loving me because others love me. I do so much for them when I love me. And what happens to me? I feel better about myself. I have greater stamina and energy. I have more energy to give to others. I have more grace to give to others because I've given myself grace and I know how hard it is to accept it and give it. I'm no longer a stressor <clears throat> excuse me, or worry for them. I make their life easier when I'm loving me. <clears throat> excuse me. And see, I set a good example as well. I also uncomplicate things. See, the more I love me, the more I take care of my needs. That means I'm a less complicated person. And I have much more time to enjoy life. I actually will have more money, more time, and more energy to enjoy life and others. And I will have less to apologize for if I'm loving me and taking care of me. So what does taking care of yourself really mean? And what's not taking care of you? So this is important. This is going to get a little bit technical. And I know I've referred to these books before, um, How Words Change Your Brain. And so this, this is from another book, and it's called How God Changes Your Brain. And so let me first show you how the idea of words, what words you use to describe you, to describe your situation, describe others, describe God. So the research 
from words can change your brain, what happens is this is the most current neuroscientific research out. And it's about holding a positive and optimistic thought in your mind. And when you do, you stimulate the frontal lobe activity, which is judgment. That's the judgment part of your brain. It's the most mature part of your brain. And so this area also includes language centers that connect directly to the motor cortex responsible for moving you into action. So their research has shown that the longer you concentrate on positive words, the more you begin to affect other areas of your brain. So functions in the parietal lobe start to change, which this changes the perception of yourself and the people you interact with. A positive view of yourself will bias you towards seeing good in others, whereas the negative self-image will incline you to be more suspicious and doubtful. And so over time, the structure of your thalamus will also change in response to your conscience, conscious words and thoughts and feelings. And what happens is that it directly affects the way in which you perceive reality. Now that's important. See, the kinder I am, the more positive my perception of people is going to be and the world around me. And so they gave this, this example that they, they had people focus repetitiously on the word peace, saying it out loud and silently. And what happened was people began to experience a sense of peacefulness just by thinking about it. So the thalamus will respond to this incoming message of peace, and it will relay the information to the rest of the brain. And so when that happens, you get pleasure chemicals like dopamine all through your brain. This is the reward system of your brain. It gets stimulated, so anxiety and doubt begin to fade away, and your entire body begins to relax. And when you do this, when you practice this consistently, your sense of compassion will grow. So this is important to be, to be really looking at and learning exactly how you are made and the power of kindness. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about this. Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me. And we are talking today about kindness. And we started out the show with what has to die in order for you to live. And that was part of last week's show. And I want to encourage you to order the book. It's also on Audible. And it's, I actually spoke the whole entire book. So it's me reading it out loud. And I think that you will really enjoy it. So one of the things I know that many people have to die to in order to truly live is self-hatred, is being unkind to themselves, hard on themselves, critical, overly critical, mean to themselves even. And so we left the last um, segment talking about this idea of thinking on a word and how words change our brain. And the latest neuroscientific research indicates that, it re that words really change our brain. So when you think about the fact that Jesus is the word and he became flesh, and the amount of change that he had over the planet. It's, it's staggering. So what, what they can really found was that by changing the way you use language, you change your consciousness. 
And this in turn influences every thought, feeling, and behavior in your life. That's powerful. And see, it even strengthens your brain. And so they, their, their brain scan research showed that concentrating and meditating on positive thoughts feel, and feelings and outcomes can be more powerful than any drug in the world, especially when it comes to changing old habits, behaviors, and beliefs. And to the best of these, these technicians, these scientists, their knowledge, the entire process is driven by language-based processes of the brain. Isn't that fascinating? Right? The Word became flesh and lived among us. And so this is why words are so important. Now, the nice thing is, and this is really fun, these two scientists went on to study how God changes your brain. So what they found was that having faith in the human spirit is what drives us to survive and transcend. And it makes life worth living and it gives meaning to life. So without such hope and optimism, this is what we refer to faith by, the mind can easily slip into depression or despair. So faith is embedded in our neurons and in our genes. And it's one of the most important principles to honor in our lives. So when Jesus says it's his kindness that leads to your repentance. So if you have something in your life that you need to change, you need to be kind as God is kind and change the way you think and work on focusing on God. Work on that faith issue that says, I'm not doing this alone. That if God has impressed upon me And I know it to be true that there is something in my life I need to change, something I need to stop doing, something I need to start doing. And that if I focus on that, I focus on the Word as the Word became flesh, dwelt among us, and changed us, this is how we change our brain, one word at a time and through faith. So some people put their faith in God while others put it in science, relationships, or work. But we want to think about the idea that the reason that faith in God is so powerful is it's relational. And humans are relational. And so what happens is you start to find out, hey, what's your ultimate purpose? What are you dreaming of? What do you truly desire in life? Not only for yourself, but for others, for the world around you. And how you begin to make that desire a reality. See, this is how God helps us to turn, to repent from things that are getting in the way of our life calling. Everyone was born for a reason. Nobody just appeared. No one's happenstance. So you are alive for a reason. What faith does, focusing on the heart and the mind of God, helps you to know what's the point? What is the point of being here? And, and so this faith issue, they have measured this, and it helps achieve goals. And not only that, you'll find a lot more happiness, and you will bring more peace into the world. And so I love this book, that How God Changes Your Brain. And it's very important as it gives an argument toward fear-based thinking and how detrimental that is to the brain and how amazingly plastic our brain is. 
it's very, it has what they call plasticity, which means it can change. So when we think on these things, those things that are good, righteous, pure, holy, of good repute, it changes our brain. Positive people are usually younger at heart. We know this to be true. They have more energy. So this is why meditation on the name Jesus, meditation on God and his goodness, helps change your brain and gives you the strength to make the changes that need to happen. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the last segment as we talk more about kindness gives us the strength to change. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. This is Conversations with Cynthia, and you can check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. We have lots of things on there for you, music and some different videos that I've made and spoken about. And we have just all kinds of different ways that you can interact, and we have lots of different social media, so I really appreciate just your presence in that way. And all the just positive things you have had to say. So we are talking about kindness. And that kindness, that element, that God-ordained and given quality that he shares with us is one of the biggest game changers you could ever imagine. And he says frequently, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. So what I have found in all the years of practice The kinder I am to my patients, the more energy they have to change. If I beat them up, if we focus only on the negatives, they usually can't make it through therapy. It's just just too grueling. But we laugh a lot. I joke a lot. I'm very positive with people. Even if we're talking about really ugly, difficult, painful things. And it helps them to strengthen their heart, their soul, their mind, to be able to make the changes that really truly need to happen. So how can we be kinder? Well, the first one I want you to think about that we've been talking about is adjusting your thoughts. So think about how you would like to be treated, how you want to treat yourself, and see what we do so often. We hope that other people are going to magically know how to treat us, And then if they treat us that way, we might begin to love ourselves and accept ourselves. So what I want you to do is start with you. Do you like it when someone makes you feel even worse about your messy moments? I mean, how do you feel about the person who punishes you, criticizes you, rubs your face in your mistakes? How differently do you feel about the person who shows compassion and understanding? They offer mercy or grace. What kind of person did you need when you were a child? What kind of person would you be for a child? Or what kind of person are you for your children? So we think about how we'd like to be treated. Such an old concept, but we've kind of forgotten it. And so it's the, it's the issue of reciprocity. So think about how you would react to someone else. So If somebody else, you know, I don't know, lost something and was so distraught about it and trying to give you money and trying to replace it, wouldn't you typically just be very gracious? Instead of telling them that they need to buy you 10 more things 
you know, to make up for the thing they lost, and that you're never, ever, ever going to let them borrow anything again. And you're going to shame them in front of all, all of your friends. I mean, truly, who does that? And so you want to think about how would you react to someone being that way? Well, then why would you do that to you? Why would you treat yourself in a way that you would never treat another? That's incongruency. If you have that dynamic going on inside of yourself, it's going to be much harder to do for others what you aspire to do. If you are beating yourself up, hating yourself, holding yourself hostage, and then trying to be some nice Christian person to the people outside of you, you're not going to have the energy to be able to just love how unlovable people can be sometimes. We are all mistake-making people. And sometimes we're not that easy to love. But love is this thing. Kindness is this amazing quality that replicates itself. It grows. It gets bigger. It gets stronger. It gets easier. It becomes a new habit for me. So I want to focus on how I might feel if I treated someone the way I treat myself. I would never do that. So I want you to focus on the relationship and not so much the appearance. Now, what does that mean? That means, am I sacrificing myself to look good in front of people? Are my words and my actions contributing to closeness with others, to closeness with myself, to closeness with God? What am I focusing on? Am I focusing on appearance? How about if I focus on the situation instead of the behavior? So let's think about this. You're trying to break a bad habit and you slip. You use some language that you don't think that you should use. You were mean to somebody that you didn't, now you're regretting. So instead of focusing solely on the situation and beating yourself up for the situation, focus on the behavior. What's the behavior telling me? Well, maybe my behavior is telling me that I'm tired. Maybe I'm asking too much from myself. Maybe I needed to confront this person and I just keep stuffing it and all of a sudden it all came out. So if I focus on what my behavior was, like what the heck is going on with me? Same thing for them. What is going on with them that they're doing this crazy, egregious behavior? And this way, I'm not getting caught up so much in the effect it's having on me. I'm trying to problem solve. I'm being investigative. I'm interested in the person versus the event. So then I want to focus on prevention instead of correction. This helps me change. When I focus on that, I say to myself, well, what's done is done. And so most people, I mean, I think you will relate to this, really don't need to be told they did something wrong. <laughs> My goodness, do, do you really need to be told that that was wrong? We, we know. We all know. We may want to talk ourselves out of it. We may want to lie about it. We may want to pretend that it didn't happen, and we may want to blame somebody for it. But the bottom line is, we know when we've done something wrong. So let's not focus on that, drive that point home. 
let's focus on what could we do different in the future? So I can, I can be a gentle reminder to people about who they are and who they really want to be and who I know them to be. And then I know this is not really truly them. They slipped. And you know what happens when you give that kind of grace? People get stronger. So what if you did that for you? What if you focused more on preventing whatever the behavior, whatever the thought, whatever that thing is that is stealing from your best life for you? Whatever that is, if you focused on, hey, what might I do to change? Maybe I need to start with forgiveness. That's one of the greatest ways to help anyone with repentance. Isn't that what God did for us? He forgave us. He continues to forgive us of all of our sins, all of our unrighteousness. So when you forgive, always remind yourself, forgiveness, forgiving something doesn't make it okay. If it was okay, I wouldn't need to forgive it. Forgiveness is an act of love, graciousness, restoration. Forgiveness means you get to start again. Forgiveness means that we are not attaching the sin to your identity. What we're saying is you did a bad thing, you're not a bad person. And that's super important. So we focus on what can I do different in the future because if this is one of those sins that easily besets me, right? Like I have a hard time not, it's just kind of habitual. I need a lot of kindness. And one of the best ways to break that kind of habitual problem is kindness, repentance, and acceptance. And then taking responsibility. See, the more I take responsibility for something I've done, the less often I'm going to do it. It's not a real comfortable thing to do. And so if I'm willing to receive repentance, that's like doubling down. It's even more effective. So how does it feel to you if you forgive someone and they tell you that they don't deserve it? Well, okay, probably not. I guess none of us really deserve it if we think about it. But it, it kind of takes a lot of the energy for you out of your act of forgiveness. It's like when I forgive someone, I'm doing it to help them be, feel better, make it better, make us better. So when they resist it and refuse it, tell me all the reasons why they don't deserve it. How does that make our relationship better? How does that make either of us stronger? See, the humility piece, and this is important, you need to remind yourself that being humble doesn't necessarily mean being humiliated. Being humble says, you know what? I can admit that I need that. I really screwed up. I can't go back and fix it. I can't go back in time. I can't undo it. I need forgiveness. I need you to forgive and to let me start over with you. I need that. That's a safe person. So we adjust our words. Listen to yourself. Notice when you're kind. Notice who you're kind to. If you speak kindly to anyone, then you already have a lot of the tools you need to change the way you speak to yourself. See, what words do you use when you are being kind? What tone do you use? 
Notice when you start to kind of sound mean. What sets you off? I mean, what do you accomplish by being mean, right? What, what adult out there needs to be punished, okay? We can punish ourselves enough. And trust me, if you're with someone that will not take responsibility for what they're doing, it's probably not a safe person. But the, but the majority of people are very safe. They're well-intentioned people, and we're just mistake-making people. So maybe you need to adjust your routine. Maybe one of the most kind things you can do for you is to adjust your routine. Maybe you're expecting too much from yourself. Maybe you're trying to be superhuman, and now you're exhausted. And you never feel like you are achieving what you set out to achieve. And so think about this. Jesus didn't heal everyone. He didn't talk to everyone. He did what he needed to do. He didn't try to do more. There was way more the world needed than what he did. He was a mortal man. So that meant the only way he could get around was walking. He needed to eat. He needed to sleep. So think about you making sure that you get your own needs met. See, when I meet my own needs, I have so much more energy to meet the needs of others. And I don't feel like everybody's always getting what they need and I never get what I need. This is important and very imperative when you think about kindness and how this helps you change. If I am kind to myself, I have a kinder, gentler inner world, I will have more energy to change. If I'm willing to forgive me, I'm acting in the heart of Christ, which is going to also please the Father, right? He likes it when I forgive others, and he loves it when I forgive me. Well, this is Cynthia I with Conversations with Cynthia. If you can't think of anything nice to say to yourself, then don't say anything at all. But really, truly, if you can't think of anything nice to say, you're probably not thinking hard enough. So God bless you. Be kind to yourself. Enjoy who God made and have a great week. I'll talk to you next week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Be